Hello and welcome to the Greenhouse Church Podcast. My name is Benj Gould and I'm the lead pastor. We are all about creating an environment where anyone can follow the way of Jesus. So we hope that this teaching helps you on your way. All right, we are going to continue our little series on evangelism. We're calling it Street Preachers. Um, and uh, Mike Frost last week, and if you haven't um, caught up on the, on the talk last week, it's on the podcast. But there was, there was something he said. It said, um, he said, evangelism is using words to alert people to the reign of God. Using words to alert people to the reign of God. The, the sort of theme of, of today is, is what is the gospel? What actually is the gospel? How do we put the gospel story of Jesus into words. I was, I was a youth pastor for seven years. And, um, you know, one of the things that we did almost every Friday night was had opportunity for an altar call, uh, a point of decision for, for young people where, you know, everyone close your eyes. There'd be nice music in the background. We'll make it this like, you know, this emotional moment after a talk. Um, and we'd invite people to put their faith in Jesus, to raise their hands, to pray some form of sinner's prayer, to, to pray to ask Jesus um, into their life, to, to pray, to ask him to forgive them. Um, and the thing is, you know, f- for some people, those those moments are really particularly powerful. And there's probably even people in this Zoom that it's like a moment either in, in that youth ministry or a different youth ministry or a different church, it was a moment like that, that you actually came to faith. You, you sort of drew a line in your own sand and stepped over. Um, but for every story like that, there's probably 10 or 20 or 50 stories of it's like just kind of another moment. Like people like get caught up in the emotion or the hype. Um, and a lot of people would do that, you know, week after week in our youth ministry, you know, um, and it was it was probably doing it more because it was the culture of what we did rather than kind of like this, this decision that people made. Um, and I know that like both those things are true, um, that it can be hype and it can be like this incredible holy moment. It was a moment like that at, at 20 years of age that Mel actually became a follower of Jesus. It was a moment of kind of decision like that. Um, but the thing is that the gospel isn't a magic formula of words or a, a prayer that you pray. It's not a light switch. And I think often the, because of that, because of that thinking that like we, we want to get people from like lost to saved, like we want to flip them over. We think of it as this moment of a light switch, a thing to flick, like a line to cross. Um, but following Jesus is more like a pilgrimage. We talked about, you know, that first week, that sozo, that word salvation, what it means to be saved is not actually like a a kind of a designation of like in or out. Salvation actually means healing, like the process of my healing, that I'm becoming more and more who God has called me to to be. I'm actually living more and more into uh, love and joy and peace. And and Jesus is, is resurrecting and reforming me and the world around me. And ultimately he will reform the whole world in a new heaven and a new earth. Um, there's another story as I was, you know, kind of preparing for this talk that I remembered as a, a friend of Mel's, 
after Mel had become a Christian and she was in a particularly low point and she was really drunk one night and um, she asked us to come over and, and talk to her about Jesus and um, me and another friend went over um, and because at that time I had this thinking of like becoming a Christian is like a light switch. And so the whole night was basically trying to get her to the point where, and I'm ashamed to say this, where she would pray some form of sinner's prayer. Like she would go from, yes, lost to saved. Um, and, and she eventually did pray a prayer like that, but I don't think it was because she genuinely wanted to. I think it was just because it was awkward and we were pushing her and we were like trying to get her to do this thing. Um, and, and that whole thinking comes out of a, a verse in Romans 10.10 10 that, that says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, then you'll be saved. Um, but the trouble with that is that it's easy to confess with your, your, your mouth, but not believe in your heart. And believing in your heart is like a whole life. It's, it's, it's a life direction thing. Um, and, you know, the thing is, you just can't coerce someone into the gospel. You can't force someone into the good news of Jesus. Mike Frost has this great line that says that conversion is way more like falling in love than it is believing a certain statement or a set of beliefs. Conversion is way more like falling in love than believing or understanding concepts. And, you know, it, it's, it's that sort of thinking, kind of the in and out thinking that reduces people to projects or reduces people to a moment or a decision. But people aren't projects, they're, they're people. And the gospel isn't a magic formula that, that, that we follow or a prayer to pray. Um, the gospel isn't, you know, Jesus has died for your sins or, or accept Jesus into your heart so you don't have to go to hell. There are aspects of that truth in, encapsulated in the gospel, but we, we can't limit it to just this moment of like in and out, the, the light switch. And the Bible has actually very little to say about those things, uh, you know, inviting Jesus into your heart, which is like a, a, a Christian thing to say. It, there's no sinner's prayer in the Bible. Um, uh, the, the, the gospel is not a statement to utter. It's not a doctrine to believe. So what is it then? If evangelism is using words to alert people to the reign of God, what are those words? If the gospel isn't just that Jesus died for your sins so you can go to heaven, then what is the gospel? Well, the best place to start, I reckon, believe it or not, is, uh, is the Bible, uh, is the scriptures. And so I actually want to read out a couple of verses. Actually, I want to get a few people. I need six volunteers to read out just a verse each. Um, if you wouldn't mind waving your hand and I'll assign you a passage, you can find it and then we'll come back and read it if that's all right. Yes, Jamie. Mark 1 verse 1. Very easy one. Vince. Mark 1 verse 15 and 16, I think. I didn't write that down properly, but yep. Yeah. Um, someone else? Someone else? Yeah, Claire. Could you get Luke chapter 4, verse 18 to 19? Luke 4, 18 to 19. Um, someone else? Yeah, Ethan. Thank you. Ethan, can you get Acts chapter 13, 32 to 33? So Acts 13, 32 to 33. And then one more... Mum, can you get... Oh, no, two more, sorry. Um, Romans 1, verse 16 and 17. 
And then someone else. Yes, Jared, wonderful. Can you get 1 Corinthians 15? Verse 1 to 7. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1 to 7. So basically what I want to do is just, these are just a few short verses um, that kind of go across some of the Gospels, Acts, some of the letters of Paul um, around what the Gospel is. And the first thing to really notice around the Gospel is that there isn't actually one Gospel in the Scriptures. There's four Gospels. Um, And that is a very interesting thing just to notice straight out of the bat. So, um, Jamie. Mark chapter 1, verse 1. This is the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. There you go. That's the very start of... It began. It began. Yeah, it is half a a sentence, yeah. Um, this, This is the news about... This is the good news or the gospel. It's the same word that we translate good news and gospel. It's euangelion in Greek. Um... It's, that, that is the very start of Mark's gospel, and then it goes on for 16 chapters. Um, and so it's a very interesting thing just to notice that, like, this is the good news, and then Mark just, like, spurts out all these things about Jesus. Um, Vince, Mark 1, 15 and 16, I think. Uh, this is what Jesus thinks is the good news, which is pretty important to listen to. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Mm, Maybe it was just 15. That's fine. Um, The good news is here. The good news of the kingdom of God is here. Repent and believe. Repent means turn, change your mind, have a change of thinking, and believe in biblical thinking is not just like knowing certain things. It's actually walking it out. Repent, repent and walk out this good news that there is a kingdom, a new way of life. Um, that's what Jesus thinks the good news is. Um, who had Luke for? Was it Claire? Yes. Yeah. So this is Jesus. Um, this is what Jesus thinks he came to do. This is kind of Jesus' job description that he's pulling from Isaiah. He gets up and he reads this scroll in in church in the synagogue one day go for it claire the spirit of the lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor he has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set free those who are downtrodden to proclaim the favorable year of the lord very good so that's interesting so jesus has this kind of role description. This is what I've come to do. The Spirit of God has anointed me to preach the gospel, to preach good news, to bring good news to the poor, to set captives free, to to um, give sight to the blind, to declare the year of the Lord's favor. There's nothing actually in there about believing in Jesus so you can go to heaven. There's nothing in there around your sins being forgiven. There is later on. Um, but it's just interesting to see and notice that like what Jesus came to do, what he thinks he came to do, is to preach about the kingdom and to preach about around all, all this, this healing. It's all healing language. People coming to wholeness, um, being set free, receiving sight, the good news uh, going out to the poor, the least, the last, and the lost. Um Acts 13, was that Ethan? 
We tell you the good news, what God promised our ancestors. He has fulfilled for us, their children, by raising up Jesus. As it is written in the second psalm, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Mm. So this is the good news. It says, Jesus has been raised. I am your, you are my son. I am your father. There's like this, this family language. Because of, because of the resurrection of Jesus, things have changed. Your status has changed. Um, Mum, Romans 1, verse 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just just as it is written, the light, the righteous will live by faith. Mm, very good. I'm not ashamed of the good news because of the righteous. It's the righteousness of God. Now, it's a very churchy word, but the, I, I find the best way to think about that word righteousness is it, it's a relationship word. It's a right relationship. So what, what, what Jesus has done through the gospel is bring a right relationship, both between me and God and me and the other, me and my neighbor, welcomed into the family of God. Um, and then finally, Jared, 1 Corinthians. 15, 1 to 7. Let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then and you still stand firm in it. It is the good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you. Unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scriptures said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. He was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. Awesome. So this is Paul talking about the good news. And notice it's, it's an event. So, so Christ died for our sins, but then he was raised again, and all these people saw Jesus raised from the dead. It's, the good news is centered in an event. And there's two things I just want to share um, just, just briefly this morning around what the gospel is, what the good news is. Number one, the gospel must be news. The gospel must be news. N.T. Wright, who is a scholar, he says um, that news... Like when you watch the news, the news is an event that's happened in which the world is a different place. So that's, that's kind of a, the definition of news, an event that's happened in which the world is a different place. So, you know, the Taliban taking over Afghanistan, that is news which has happened and the world is now different. You know, Gladys at 11 o'clock, it's probably just past 11 o'clock, she probably announced another whatever it was, 700 cases, that are, that's, that's a news, that's an event that's happened. And because of that, the landscape of Australia is different. That means that 700 lives would also impact restrictions and all sorts of things, right? And news is an event that happens and the world is different because of it. Um, and so news is a story. News is a story. It's, it's, it's based in event and story. And, and the word gospel, euangelion, it's, it's um, stolen from the kind of Romans and the Greeks. You know, when we find it in, in the Bible, it's actually it's, it's a political word that was used. Um, it wasn't used a whole lot, but it was often used when there would be, so 
Good news. Uh, there's a new Caesar. Good news. We defeated the barbarians. Good news. Our kingdom has been extended. It's, it's always kind of political language of something that's happened. There's an event that's happened and the empire is now better because of it. And so uh, what happens is the, the Christians come and they repurpose this, this, uh, this word, and Jesus did it himself, as there is this kind of kingdom political language. An event has happened and the world is different because of it. There is a new king, there is a new government, there has been a resurrection, there's a new way to be human. And it's really important for us to know that the gospel is a story and not a statement. The gospel is a story and not a statement. The gospel is the whole thing. It's not just Jesus died for your sins so you can go to heaven. Yes, that's part of it. But it's the, it's the whole thing. It's the story. It's the words and the ways and the works of Jesus. It's the miracles and the teachings of Jesus and the parables of Jesus and his invitation of people to come and follow him. It's the welcoming of the outsider. It's the dinner parties that Jesus had and the conversations and this kind of new world order that he is outlaying. Um, the gospel is not a statement to believe in. It is a story. John Tyson, who was a pastor in New York City, he says that we live in a time of narrative warfare or story warfare, where everywhere you look, people are trying to tell their own story and trying to get you to believe in their story. They, he says everyone is evangelizing. Everyone is pushing a story on us. Um, you know, advertising, it does this all the time. We, you know, neuroscience and psychology tells us that we think our brains actually use, use story to, um, use story to make sense of the world, to think about what's happening. And we, we take events and, and the way that we kind of look at our lives is we arrange events and we, we see where God is at work. Um, we see, we see, you know, uh, through our childhood, all these stories that are arranged and, and these events that have happened and our life is now different because of it. We live in a time of narrative warfare where advertisers are, are, are you know, trying to reach in through our screens to change the story, where social media is, is um, uh, competing for the story that controls our lives, where politics, be it left or right, is competing for that story of what is the good life. How, how do we like get to the good life? All these things are competing for our stories. Everyone is evangelizing. And I think when it comes to the gospel, there are three stories that we actually really need to know. The first one is God's story, Jesus' story, the story of like what, what has happened in the world. Um, you know, the broad picture, the broad story of, of scriptures can be you know, told in the story of two gardens, the Garden of Eden and the Garden City at the end. It's a story of the garden that, and, and this place that was created for humans to thrive, that was kind of torn apart. And the world has been kind of unraveling since then. But the story of Jesus and his death and resurrection coming and he, he, he raised again in a new garden. And, and um, Mary thought he was a gardener because he was bringing about the Garden City that we see in Revelation 21 and 22. There's a story of Jesus and his teachings and his ways and his words. Um, there's the story of God. There's our own story of Jesus, the story in which Jesus has been working in our own life, the story in which Jesus met us, the story in which in, in our needs and that, that um, prayer 
um, that guy to prayer that we did this morning of, you know, what's the need that we have? That's the gospel that like Jesus would actually come and meet our needs. The story of like of, of Jesus coming and um, uh, transforming my life and bringing love and joy and peace in and through me. But then the third part of that, the other story that we always really need to do. I, I did a handy little drawing here. Is it the right, right way around? People see that? Yes. So Jesus' story, our story, and their story, or the story of the other, um, which is, you know, when it talks about, when it comes to sharing the gospel in words, evangelizing, using words, the missing part of what the church has done so much is the story of the other actually people's stories, the stories that they're living, their hopes and desires and dreams and their fears. Um, and it's when those three things, the story of Jesus, our own story and their story come together, that's, that's actually where the good news is found. And Jesus was actually just so genius at this. We, we see this all through the Gospels. The apostles were great at this as well. But what happens is Jesus presents good news to people, but the news always changes. The story changes depending on who's listening to it. Um, and it's not that the story of God changes. It's not that Jesus' own story changes or the apostles' own story of their, their connection with Jesus changes. But it's 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 recognizing the story of the other, listening to the story of the other. So for, for Jesus, you know, when he went to the disciples, the good news was follow me, actually envelop your life around me. Like your vocation is changing. Your world is changing. You get to be part of this incredible movement where the church is birthed. To the woman at the well, the good news is that, you know, you've had five husbands and you're looking for satisfaction, but I can give you living water like this, like this eternal satisfaction to Nicodemus, who was a, a, a priest and he found himself like in this awkward position where he wanted to follow Jesus, but he was like so entrenched and so high up in the kind of order of the of, of Jewish um, Pharisees that he didn't know what to do. The good news that Jesus spoke to him was that you can be reborn, like you can have a new life, you can have a fresh start, you can find rebirth. To the blind man, Jesus says, be healed, have sight, see things that you've never seen before. To the cripple that his friends brought him down and, and opened the roof and, and brought down into Jesus in the house. The good news is that your sins are forgiven. Now get up and walk. Uh, to those on the mount where Jesus gave his incredible kind of sermon. The good news is blessed are the poor. Blessed are the poor in spirit. To the woman caught in adultery that um, the religious people brought out in front of him. The good news was, I don't condemn you, but now go and sin no more. Now go and live a better way. Um, to the criminal on the cross next to Jesus as they were dying, the good news was, today you'll be with me in paradise. To the Jews, when, pre when Peter gets up and, and preaches after Pentecost, um, is that the Spirit is falling on everyone, men and women, young and old. And it was about the resurrection um, to the to the Greek philosophers uh, on Mars Hill. Paul uh, speaks about an unknown God that they have an inscription to. And he says, this God is Jesus. It's Yahweh. And in him we live and move and have our being. And so the story of God doesn't change the story of our own relationship with Jesus. But it's, it's, the, it's the other story. What's the good news to the 
other? What's the good news to the people that we find? Tim Keller says that there is one gospel, but many forms. Chris Anderson, who is the, um, the CEO of TED Talks, has this great line um, that says, you can only gift an idea to an audience that's ready to hear that idea. That you can't gift an idea that someone's not ready to have. You can't gift a story that someone's not ready to hear. And so that's why it's so important to be listening, to hear the stories of others, to hear the stories of, of actually what is good news to this person right now. So that's the, the first one. Good, the gospel must be news. And the second one is the gospel must be good. This section's a lot shorter, so we're going to finish up in a second. Um, David Kinnaman, who is the um, uh, president of Barna, who is a research um, group that does incredible research stuff um, for the church. He says this, he says, young people don't want to know if Christianity is true. They don't know if Christianity is just true, but they want to know if it's good. They don't want to know if Christianity is just news. They want to know if it's good news. They don't want to just know if, you know, the Bible can be trusted or like the resurrection can be trusted, whether it's news, but whether it is good. And there has been a real shift in our society in Western culture where, you know, 50 years, 100 years ago, the church was seen as good. Like if you, if you were a Christian, you were seen as kind of moral and you had a kind of a way, you, you were a good person. And then slowly the, the church shifted to sort of just being irrelevant. But now more and more what we're seeing is that people view the church as harmful, as actually immoral, that the church is um, abusive and corrupt and controlling or homophobic. And the good news has lost its good because of the way that the church is viewed. Um, and I think largely it's because we've lost the story of the other. And we've been pretty good at keeping the story of Jesus. Maybe we've kind of reduced it a little bit too much because we want it to be bite-sized and, and um, to share it. Um, we've been pretty good at knowing our own stories um, for the most part, you know, knowing our own testimony but we've lost hearing the voice of the other. And I think as Christians, what we need to be, get better at is listening to those around us, listening to our neighbors, listening to our neighborhood, listening to our culture and working out what's good news to them. Um, and I think it's, it's just that question, what is good news to the person that I'm talking to is, is just so important. Um, to your lonely neighbor, maybe good news is, why don't you come over for dinner? when we can hopefully uh, have one or two other people in our house. Um, and, you know, I, I welcome you into my home because I feel like I've been welcomed into the home of Jesus. Um, to the anxious person, maybe the good news is, you know what, I, I feel anxious too. You know, like it's the world is crazy right now, but I, I know this promise that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And there's like something about following Jesus that has given me a sense of peace and hope. Maybe to the person that you find that's hopeless, that sort of has kind of lost their way a bit, that there is actually a bigger story to belong to, that like this, this whole thing we really believe is going somewhere, that God is going to make a new heaven and a new earth, that he is healing all things. Maybe to the person with addiction is that actually there is, there is a way. And we really believe that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom and we need help, but the spirit works through freedom. To those who have been wronged, you know, maybe the good news is that Jesus actually is a judge. Like he's, he's going to bring justice. 
Um, he's going to make the world right. He's going to put the things the right way up again. And the end of the age, all the stuff that has been harmful and corrupt and abusive will be made right. To the person that's wronged someone else, the good news might be that you actually are forgiven, that there is a way, there is a second chance. You can be reborn. The gospel is news and the gospel is good. And uh, we are as people who are who are following the way of Jesus to find and know the story of Jesus, to know our own story, but to listen to the story of the other. And it's when those things kind of naturally and organically find themselves all together that we actually become a good news people. And so that's my prayer for us as a community um, and, and as individuals as well. Cool? Wonderful. Well, um, I'm going to pray for us and then uh, just give us a chance to break into um, breakout rooms just for 10 minutes. And maybe just you might want to share um, something that's kind of stood out to you. Um, but lovely to see your faces. And uh, we'll see you next week or at the marriage course. But let me pray for you. Father, thank you that you are, um, you are bringing good news in our world. Thank you that your story is good news. God, thank you for the good news that you have embedded and imparted in our own souls the way that Jesus intersected with our own lives. And God, I thank you that you are the God of the other, the God of the one sheep that's lost, the God of the downtrodden and the outcasts and the poor and the lonely and the hopeless. And so we just pray that you would bring good news into our own hearts and that we may carry good news into the world around us. God, we pray for just boldness to be able to put those things into words, that we wouldn't be content just to sort of live a nice middle-class life, um, but we will be people of good news. So we pray that ancient prayer that the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, would you make your face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord bless you and give you peace. Amen. Amen.